Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott. Self-isolating as always. Hello, Scott. As always, Sean, here I am, self-isolating, having a, a good time. I don't know if you looked at your window in the last uh, yeah. 15, 15 minutes yeah, or something. Yeah, I did. But, uh, holy cow, it snowed. It is a snowy nation's capital here on a Wednesday evening in April. And, and Scott, it, it's interesting. You know, I've, the past, I think, five years, I've been out of town in early April to avoid the like that last snowstorm that makes you really like actually look at real estate listings in like BC and stuff. Yeah. And this year we haven't really had one at all. And I've been here, but a couple times this week there has been some flakes in the air, which just make you think, Ooh. Oh boy. Yeah. I, uh, I was looking at some real estate listings in Victoria <laughs> this week. I'll admit. Um, yeah, yeah. But it does uh, make really staying inside easier. It makes staying inside easier, a lot more appealing. Uh, it has been quite cold um, as compared to uh, the beginning of the week. So, yeah, I, I don't mind staying inside. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 you know we're dealing with it. So uh, I want to correct before we get into this week's episode. We should correct. I don't know, Scott. Do you think this is the biggest mistake we've not mistake, but like the thing that we've been the most wrong about ever on the show? I, I mean, pro- probably yeah, that's right. Like if you don't count. You know, us picking some team to win and having them miss the playoffs altogether. Yeah, no, probably. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, after we recorded, not that long after we recorded last week's commercial episode, uh, at the end of it, we did talk about Colton Flash and the possibility of him joining Matt Dunstone's team, and we were very certain that that was going to be the case, but that did not happen. Colton Flash is not going to be on that team. Instead, Kirk Myers is going to go back to front end. He's going to play second with Matt Dunstone. And the front end, the Marsh brothers, have joined up with Colton Flash and Catlin Schneider, who is now going to play third. Colton Flash is going to skip. The Marshes will be the front end for a new team Flash. So I, I don't think Saskatchewan is going to be as exciting as it was this year with that team. You know, it'll probably take them a little bit to rearrange, you know, d- different positions for Catlin Schneider and the marsh who was the third i mixed them up all the time the two of them uh they yeah, are identical dan twins dan and kevin yeah so you know just some some different lineup things there I, the marshes have played with colton flash before which will help but uh so the the landscape of saskatchewan has changed but it still looks like it'll be a, a two-team race there at the saskatchewan provincials <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's not even as much a two-horse race as it was before. Uh, Colton Flash had a lot of success when he skipped a couple of years ago before joining Team Cooey. Um, you know, he made the Saskatchewan final, and, and you know, he's he's a good player. But uh, this move by Kirk Myers is is only to try and make that Olympic, uh, Olympic trials there in the end of 2021. And I believe... I agree with him. They said this is the best way for them to do it. I think that's true. Catlin Schneider is a great player. Nothing against him. Great sweeper, great thrower. But Kirk Myers is better. And the the only sort of hesitation that I had in liking this is that Kirk talked the last year or two about how much he was enjoying skipping. Yeah. Uh, and he really seemed to be coming into it. You know, he 
was having a good time. He relished the pressure of throwing that last rock, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that this could be a temporary business arrangement for the next two years to see what they can do. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if after the cycle is done, he's back to skipping his own team. Yeah, no question. I, I think for sure this is two years, and that's it. I, I think they were pretty clear about that in all the statements and the releases that came out. That this is a this is to go to the or, or to attempt to go to the Olympics, and then that'll be that. Uh, the one player who sort of left out in the cold of all this, Dallin Myers, uh, the the Team Myers account said that he's looking for opportunities. He wants to stay in competitive curling, and is just looking around to see if anything crops up there. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Like, yeah, uh, the picture hey, anybody, too that they anybody... put. It's him at the briar, just standing by himself. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> the uh, they can, does anybody want me on yeah, the team? It's great. It's he should have. Uh, they should have made this move a couple weeks ago. He could have gone joined up with Team Greg Smith in Newfoundland. Yeah. Uh, but they've found a fourth player already. I believe a, a maybe junior player or somebody quite young out of Manitoba, I think. Yeah, someone who's had some success provincially there in Manitoba is going to join up with Craig Smith and what would be a loaded, uh, and by loaded I mean like a lot of teams, uh, field there in Newfoundland mm. next year. Big time. Yeah, so, uh, so that'll do it for the competitive side of things. Scott, we wanted to shift and talk a little bit more about what happens at the club level. Uh, not only because we haven't been in the clubs for a while, but there's a lot of, I'm going to call them unsung heroes of the curling club. And wow. Yeah, the people who actually make it go. The, the people who, you know, we're going to talk about, I'm going to ask you, you were an ice guy for a little bit. Uh, you know, the mm -hmm. people who get in there, do the ice, and volunteer clubs, you know, people doing the bars, doing the kitchen. And I think the most underappreciated aspect of a curling club, the people who get a lot of guff and not a lot of thanks, the league conveners, the people who set the schedules. And, Scott, we are fortunate enough to be joined by our league convener slash teammate on Monday nights at the Ottawa Curling Club, Megan Huff. Welcome to the show. Hello, guys. Nice to hear your voices again. It's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, we stopped playing at the early part of March, uh, just mid just over a month ago now. Uh, I played one game in the final draw, and I declared that we were the champions of the final draw. As the league <laughs> convener, I assume that you agree with my declaration, and this is now official. Well, we'll we're taking it under advisement. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so, like Barbucks to me, Sean. Barbucks, like yeah. Barbucks. I want those Barbucks. Yeah, I'm. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I spent mine like because we won Barbucks last week, last year because we legitimately won the last draw. That's how it works at the Ottawa Curling Club. So we got ten each. I spent mine in like February. I like it was just a couple weeks late February, a couple weeks before the whole thing closed. So I'm glad I actually used them. Yeah, hmm. me too. Yeah. So uh, before we get into the league convener side of things, Megan, you play with us on Monday nights. We played together for three years now, and Scott on the show has talked a lot about how he can be a, a, a fiery guy out there <laughs> on the ice. Uh, how would you describe Scott as a, as a player? Um, rage monster. Right? He, has, <laughs> he, has, he can be a lovely, lovely human being, and then he can be a rage monster. 
Um, no, it's uh, it's great to have somebody who, who cares so much about the game and about playing well uh, on your team as opposed to teammates who, uh, you know, because we've all seen them out on the ice. There are, are teams who are out there and maybe take the game a little too seriously and want to be, uh, want to win every game, want to be really good. And there are uh, players and teams who just kind of spend two hours on the ice. Um, so it's nice to, to be on a team of people who, you know, take the game seriously enough to want to do well. Um, and I, I adore Scott and I know him well enough to know that any, any of the frustrations for the most part are, are his own frustrations when he misses a shot. Uh, not actually, um, not actually malice or, or frustration with others. Hmm. So, wow, wow, Megan, you're such a good diplomat. Yeah, this, <laughs> this must make you uh, so good at being a lead convener. <laughs> yeah, that, that was uh, really, really well done. You know, in, in uh, when I'm grading papers at, uh, in my classes, they always say, you know, start, you know, start with something nice-ish, but like always sort of soften it as you go through. And that's exactly what you did there is sort of, you started with your assessment and then really softened it throughout. It was really good. I didn't right go on. through nine years of university for nothing. Yes, we should say that Megan is a lawyer. Uh, so <laughs> that would also account for any diplomatic ability there to sort of talk around things if necessary. Mm -hmm. All right, so Megan, you are the convener of the Monday Night League at the Ottawa Curling Club. How long have you been doing that? Uh, this was my third year, third year, fourth year, third year. Okay. In okay. And, and just for, for people who maybe don't know exactly what a league convener does, and, and certainly it's going to be different at, at, at different clubs. Uh, what is the, your primary role as the convener on Mondays? Uh, the primary role is really, there's two things is one is kind of being the intermediary between the board, the match director and any uh, kind of, was like kind of corporate or, or club level decisions and the actual league. So sometimes that's uh, uh, sweeping rules, that's uh, individual dates, um, sending the bigger messages down about, you know, some of the, the parties or in the recent little while uh, changes to uh, and messaging about what's going on with uh, the pandemic or club closures, et cetera. Uh, so that's kind of one role. That's the, the one that's, you know, takes takes less time. Uh, the other one is uh, running the league. So doing the schedule. So setting up the schedule at the beginning of the year. So you've got your round. We have a uh, kind of modified ladder with four flights for, for Monday. So every six weeks, I need to put a schedule together based on who won and lost, figure out who's moving up, who's moving down and then try to keep track of and accommodate as many buy requests as possible. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's funny. It's not a huge amount of work, but it's, it's very much on a schedule. I don't have any flexibility of uh, when I can do the kind of three, four hours worth of work that it takes to uh, evaluate or kind of assess who goes up, who goes down at the end of the round and then make the, make the next schedule. It kind of, I do it on Wednesday evenings and it has to happen on Wednesday evenings because that's all the time I have between the one Monday of the, the round ending and the next Monday of the round starting. Yeah. So that I think is the hardest part, right? In this schedule. So there's, as Megan said, there's four draws and the first draw. Okay, fine. You can set that schedule. You Hell, you could set that schedule once the league is full, really, at any point in the summer. 
Um, and the hell with buys in the first draw. People just deal with the schedule as they deal with the schedule. But you're right. After that, you know, mo there's Monday, the last game of the draw, and then next Monday is the the first game of the next draw. So there is that rush in there. So with buys, let, let's talk about buys because this is the thing that I talk to you most about, and from a convener yeah. standpoint, uh, I you know you have two draws and we rotate back and forth, six thirty, eight forty-five. My position is let's always take the eight forty-five buy. You know, it's it's you're you're the convener. You don't get there's no financial benefit to doing well, it. The prize for doing it is you get to take late buys. <laughs> that, 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 that's my position. And any league convener, if they always take late buys, I will never complain about that. If I get if I benefit from it because I'm on the team with the convener, I'm okay with that as well. But how early? So I know some clubs, league conveners won't take by request. They will just put out the schedule. It's in a spreadsheet. You get ranked, you know, you're A2, and you get put into the A2 schedule, and there, there's no accommodation. But the Ottawa, certainly the leagues I've been involved with, there is a push, a desire to accommodate by request. So what is that process like for you? How early are you getting requests, and how do you implement them when you're putting in the schedule? Uh, well, I don't tend to get for the first round. I do get by request for the first round, actually. There are a fair number of, of teams who know that they're always, you know, have you know, there's people, we always go to the lake or we always go to this event the last week of September. And the Ottawa does start relatively early. We do start in September, usually that last week. Yeah, nobody, uh, week nobody actually, wants to play in September. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, but that's part of the, Part of the thing with Mondays is that in order to get our 24 weeks in, we, we actually had two Mondays in September where we played this past year because uh, we usually have just 24 weeks. Uh, it's really hard to find an extra day on Mondays because we lose Thanksgiving, we lose Family Day, we lose uh, one year we lost Remembrance Day. So it's, it's tough to find the days. So there's not a lot of flexibility on the Monday calendar. Um, so no, uh, so people email me and I don't take oral by request, quite frankly, because I forget and I don't have a good enough memory for people to know exactly uh, who is on whose team. Because uh, sometimes somebody says, oh, can my team have a by request? And I'm like, okay, I remember you asked for a by request, but I don't remember who your skip is and I'm not going to do the work to figure it out. So um, I just tell everybody to email me. And then I, I keep, uh, it's very sophisticated. I have four note cards, each note card, per one note card per round with the days marked off. And I just write people's names so that I've got it all on one sheet. Uh, and I try my best to honor them um, in like per week in the order I receive them. But I do make a fair attempt to accommodate as many buys as possible. So uh, it might be that the first person who requested a buy in a given week was in the A flight, but two people in the B requested a buy. And, you know, I'm going to come later on in the, in the, the schedule or later on in, in time. Uh, but for the same week, most of the time I'm going to accommodate, I'm going to make it so that the two teams in the B have the buy that week. I feel bad for the the A team who requested the buy first, but I'm gonna try and accommodate the more the most buys possible. I think my predecessor was a little stricter. He honored the first in time, regardless of how many that meant that he couldn't accommodate. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of a combination of of time and then how just the schedule falls. 
And I do move um, in the spreadsheet that I have, I do move weeks around a lot. So uh, I don't think the spreadsheet I'm using actually still has the original kind of schedule of, you know, A1 and A2 play each other in the last game uh, of the round. I think that's that's gone out the window <laughs> in the uh, poor record keeping that I have. Uh, so, yeah, so it's I, I really do try and have as most as many as possible. So I appreciate when. Uh, one person on the team is sending me a buy request. Sometimes I've had two people send me buy requests for different weeks, and I've had to say, sort yourselves out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's happened a few times. I think uh, that's happened with us, Megan. It has happened <laughs> it with has us. It has happened with it us, definitely yeah. definitely happened with us. Uh, it's also, I've had, you know, the board president saying that, oh, okay, we're having a board meeting on this day. Can you please give these, ta these teams a buy? And I've had to go back to their teammates and say, okay, your two teams requested a buy for a different day. Um, how am I going to do this? So usually when the board tells me that they have a, they want me to give people buys, I, I do my best to accommodate that. Uh, and every once in a while, there's been a special event. So we had the Briar here in Ottawa, the, both the Briar and the Olympic trials. I think I was only convener during one of those. But I said to teams, like, if your team is volunteering, and that's the reason you're asking for a buy, uh, because we know that these big events run very much on volunteers. I think we've all volunteered, or Scott and I have both volunteered um, for these events. If your team is volunteering, if the reason you can't make a date is because you're volunteering, let me know, and I'll do my best to make sure that you have have the buy for that reason, as opposed to somebody who's kind of going off on a different vacation. Mm -hmm. So there's you know varying factors, but it's it's usually a combination of of point in time that they've requested the buy and how many I, I can accommodate. And I do have people, some people in September already know that they're gonna be gone from our break and they'll make that request then. Yeah. So, but it just kind of goes on the list. Right, right. So, so I assume the popular ones, you mentioned the end of September, you know, it's, it's early in the season and, you know, playing on Monday nights, there is sort of a, it is a weird dynamic because you play a week or two and then it's Thanksgiving and you have that Monday off. So it is kind of broken up. So, so I know teams like to get a buy in September, obviously around March break, which yep. in, in this part of the country is going to be a little different because if people live on the Quebec side, uh, that's going to be a little different than on the Ontario side. And I think the French board might be different from the English board too. I'm, I'm not sure about that within Ottawa itself. So, you know, that late February, early March is going to be busy. Is there any other time of the year that, really gets crunched together where there's a glut of requests? Family day, which is always interesting because the club is closed, but a lot of people ask me if there's no, if do we have a buy on family day? If not, can I please have the buy? Right. Uh, a lot of requests for, again, because Monday falls on a lot of those stat holidays, people want to take the long weekend. So they, they want um, that day off as well. So if, if uh, Remembrance Day happens to fall on a Monday, I get, if not requests, I get a lot of questions. Right. Uh, about is this a holiday same thing with family day um those are really the big ones and then every year kind of the the briar and the scotties if they're in sort of the ontario quebec area like they were up in north bay or down in kingston i'll tend to get a lot of requests for those weeks because it's it's close enough that people are off and they're they're off to to see those events yeah that was certainly was the case this week or this year yeah. with the the briar and kingston that uh we had sort of conflicting requests, right? Scott and I were gonna be in Kingston. I was coming home on Monday, uh, but then a week or two before or after, I can't remember our skip, uh, he had an event going on. So there was, you know, we had dual issues there and a lot of people in the club had gone down to Kingston. It ended up not really mattering because I was convalescing anyway. So 
um, even though I plan to play in that game. But yeah, so you, you do have uh, have those situations. And I think too, in Ottawa is this interesting case, right, with something like Remembrance Day, which is not a provincial holiday in Ontario. So the club is open, but people who work in the federal government, which is the majority of people in Ottawa, get the day off. So it's this really weird dynamic. Uh, every year, my favorite, if, if I can have a Remembrance Day tradition that isn't going to the ceremony, it's the traffic people on CBC on the morning show. For the first like 45 minutes of the show, they're puzzled as to why there's no traffic <laughs> on the highway until somebody tweets at them that the public service isn't working today. It's, it's amazing. I love it. Robin Bregeland, she never remembers. Uh, like, it's great. It's great. So you you have the buy request schedule set. Another thing that I think is interesting with our club, and I'd be curious to know if people can tweet at us and, and email us. One of the things that you try to do, and uh, this certainly is the case on Thursday nights as well. I don't know if it's across the club, but we play five games in a draw. It's a five-sheet club, and we play one game per sheet. So how difficult is it to manage to make sure that everyone is crossing the sheets given the other movement with buy requests and, and all that kind of stuff? Uh, for me now, not hard at all. So what has happened, and I think has happened in many leagues across every club, is I inherited a spreadsheet. And it's very clear that this spreadsheet was inherited from like several conveners back. Um, now that spreadsheet actually did have somebody, uh, I think two in the A and two in the C maybe, played on the same sheet twice within a round, uh, that uh, was a bee in the bonnet of Scott Graham. And so <laughs> he offered to make me a new spreadsheet or he offered to fix the spreadsheet. And I just went, Scott, this is not my thing. I'm, I, if you can do it, I will let you. Uh, and so he made me a spreadsheet, a new spreadsheet that fixed that problem. Uh, introduced a couple of other problems uh, that <laughs> took us a round or two last season to figure out. Um, we got there eventually, but uh, no. So I actually host got the uh, the current spreadsheet that resolved that problem. But yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that you could spend a fair amount of time in an off season or because uh, really these things run on spreadsheets. Like I don't have the time on a, a random Wednesday in the middle of a work week to spend that much time figuring it out. So I think most conveners I I know that I've spoken to do rely on a spreadsheet that somebody has spent a fair amount of time working on in the off season. In my case, it is my lovely teammate uh, and sometimes rage monster Scott uh, who did that for me. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was tricky, right, Megan? Cause, yeah. because when you're trying to accommodate buys, as you talked about, if you've got some, uh, a setup with a spreadsheet such that, uh, you know, there's formulas and, and checks in there to make sure everybody's playing on each sheet once, and then you want to accommodate a buy and you switch something, it can really bung up kind of the whole the whole sheet. But uh, as soon as it's all set, then you can sort of swap weeks, which is, I think, how you uh, yeah. tend to accommodate buys is to swap an entire week worth yeah. of matchups. Uh, that makes it a little bit easier and make sure that everybody still gets to play on each sheet one time. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah there are other conveners who have they have a whole like a little program. Um, and again, mm -hmm. I damn near failed high school math. So uh, this is why I work with words. Uh, <laughs> but other other conveners, they actually do have either a different spreadsheet or a little program 
uh, there are a couple of leagues I know of that they don't have a strict uh, A and B play at the same time and C and D play at the same time. They kind of mix things up and that allows them more flexibility than um, my schedule and my spreadsheet allow me, uh, which is just, it's one way to do things. Uh, but no, I do, I physically manipulate the Excel spreadsheet and move weeks around uh, to try and accommodate or move half weeks. You know, I can move the A and the B uh, to a different week, flip it with something else, and then uh, the C and the D can stay where they are, or sometimes they they move as well, depending on on the needs for that week. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't wouldn't that just wouldn't that always require that the same two, like when you set the schedule, so there's six weeks of games, and then if you're mixing and matching full weeks, like the the two it, two teams would have the same buy at the same time. So let's say we request something. And somebody else requests something, but then in the schedule, like we're at that same, like, couldn't that cause a problem there? Uh, yeah, that just means that one of those teams doesn't get a buy. Oh, okay. And yeah, because you're the convener, I, it's the other team. It's great. That, that's exactly <laughs> it. I, that's the one perk that uh, uh, you do get. It is it is a volunteer position. But no, I've actually been very lucky. There have been, I think the last round, I actually wrote to, when I sent the the draw off to Dallal, our the club manager at the auto, I did say, you know, I, I couldn't accommodate very many buys this round. It's just, it worked out in a very odd way. But I'm usually able to accommodate the majority of buys, especially, and I really do appreciate when teams say, uh, you know, I'd really like a buy this week, but, you know, if, if that's not possible, this other week would also be helpful because, you know, sometimes one week there's two people away, but another week there's one person away. Uh, so the more if people can give me options, I'm very likely to be able to accommodate one of the options uh, when people just say, I want this buy. I, you know, I do my best, but it's just not always possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Megan, have you heard anything about... Uh the curling club website being redone i know uh the way you do it now is you sort of give the results to dalal and she puts up the schedule but uh there's help on the way for that i i haven't heard anything recently the ottawa curling club website to my knowledge and again this is is uh bits and pieces i've heard since i'm not on the, the members all of the league conveners are members of the match committee uh, and the match director is a member of the board, but I am not a member of the board. So I don't have all of the information, all of the details. Uh, and I'm probably not supposed to reveal them, even if I did know them. So uh, okay. I do know that the website is is being redeveloped and that the, in particular, the back end of it is mm-hmm. uh, meant to be rede- uh, redesigned. Because there are clubs, for example, I think the Rito and some of the others where, you know, you can log in with your member password and, and actually upload your scores yourself. Uh, right. So I don't I don't know the plans. I just know that there there is some some thinking being done about the Ottawa website. Cool. Yeah, I think I think what's helpful with the system at the Rideau at least is that it auto populates the standings, and you know standings go in and it's there. It updates the club championship standings. It just happens automatically, and that certainly would save you time because at the end of each draw yeah. you have to run through the results, which at the Ottawa Curling Club, and I know this happens at a lot of clubs. Uh, you come off the ice and on a piece of paper with a pencil, you put a W or an L next to your name, and then you put the score, just the difference of the score. Uh, so if you won by two, you put W plus two. And if you lose by two, it's L minus two. And then uh, the point uh, for or against could matter in a tiebreak situation, but you get that basically that 
chart and then have to do the math on who goes up, who goes down. Exactly. And remember, nearly failed high school math. <laughs> so I, I've had some interesting moments of, of doing the math. And I, I have actually phoned a friend on a couple of occasions to say, does this make sense to you? Because I, I couldn't quite didn't quite seem right. Uh, right. But there mm -hmm. that's I mean, again, the wonderful thing about curlers, if not the uh, the match director, one of the other conveners, we have the, our Thursday night convener at the Ottawa is just a fantastic gentleman, and he will double check, he'll verify anything for you because he's just a lovely person. Uh, so I do lean on my kind of co-conveners um, as needed if there's something particularly complicated happening. Yeah, and sometimes it can get complicated too. There, there's no ties at the Ottawa. If it's tied after the last, then it's a draw to the button. So there's always going to be a winner. And one time, I can't remember if it was in the Thursday League or the Monday League, we went into the last game of a draw. All six teams were playing. Nobody had to buy that night. And everybody was two and two. So you were guaranteed a three-way tie at three and two and guaranteed a three-way tie at two and three. So you're going to have tiebreakers on both ends to see who goes up and who goes down. And that was a night where normally when we go into a game, uh, our, my skip, it must have been Thursdays because I think it was Glenn, uh, had, he usually knows what's going to happen like based on the result. This week he or that week he was like I, I tried for like five minutes but it wasn't worth it <laughs> and and certainly once you have the result it, it becomes a little clearer because you're not dealing with what ifs but certainly it can get complicated and take up some time absolutely mm -hmm. and that's uh, one of one of the bizarre things again it doesn't take you know two three hours five times a year is not a huge um, time burden on conveners um, but it just and this year was particularly odd in the sense that, you know, every time the draw came, you know, it was time to do the draw. I had just worked like a 12 hour day and had no food in my house and something was wrong with my family. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Um, so it's it's one of those oddities. Um, yeah. Math. <laughs> yeah. That's the other time. Um, another thing I want to talk about the so obviously scheduling is i think what most people interact with the convener about I, I hope at least uh but another thing that you mentioned at the top is communicating decisions from the board and, and as it relates to most members that is going to be rules so the the club went with the five rock rule at the start of last season uh, the sweeping rules uh, such as they are you know in the competitive leagues the brush head, I believe, is mandatory in our league. It's it's not. I, I have a black brush uh, on my – I'm pretty sure it's black. Maybe it's orange. I, I can't remember. Uh, I haven't seen it. It's locked away in the locker room. It's, it's uh, down there. Sean I, Sean, I think it's orange, but it's turning black from being so dirty. Well, Oops. I just put so much uh, pressure on it. It just pulls up so much from the ice. It's better oh, than it's the so one uh, I had. Oh, the, uh, the first one I had on this broom was black, and I eventually broke through the fabric so that the screw – uh, was scratching the ice. Oh, geez. Which isn't great. Um, and maybe that's why we should have, have stricter rules, uh, people like me. But, um, you, you know, how much of your job is communicating and do you ever have to enforce a rule with people within the league? Uh, the amount of communication has really depended on the year. My predecessor really took the brunt of the sweeping rules and the uh, the kind of controversy through that. The year I took over, it was just sort of um, an email at the beginning of the year just confirming what had been decided the previous year. 
this past year, we did try to uh, to us we changed the spare rules at the Ottawa, and we tried to standardize them a little bit across leagues. Uh, there's still some particularities for each league. Um, and so there was a little bit of communication around that. Uh, I, I didn't get a lot of, of kind of feedback from it. Um, I think Monday night, because it's considered semi-competitive, it, it everybody personally kind of is already up on the rules and the rule changes because they're interested. That's the nature for people who join the league. So there wasn't a lot of controversy. I think there was more controversy the year before I joined when the whole world really was still sorting out the, the broom head issue. Um, yeah, so I haven't had much to do with enforcing. Uh, and I, I also don't, you know, I don't hang around the club for both draws. So if somebody's if somebody's on the ice a little later than they should be and I happen to be there, I've kind of, I've stood behind the ice and glared at them and sort of asked the question, like, did they actually start that end at the right time? But I've never, I've never actually sort of there at the right time to witness, oh, it was actually 8.05 or 8.06 when they started the, the seventh end and they should not be playing the eighth. Uh, there have been a couple of times where I'm like, oh, you know, you guys are really late on the ice. I would, if I, if I were confident enough at what time you started, I might mention, but even then all I would do is probably say, guys, come on. Like people are waiting. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Like, don't be those guys. Yeah. Um, so I'm, we're, we're lucky. I think just curlers in general do tend to be collegial people. We do want to, uh, we'd rather police ourselves than have somebody there being a referee. Uh, and the rules are pretty loose, uh, loose for, for time. And especially on the late draw, people don't tend to fuss. I mean, it's, it's one of my pet peeves to be on the ice at 11.15, right? Like, yes. I don't like being on the ice at 11.15 on a Monday. Thank you very much. I do have to get up and work the next day. Uh, but people do tend to respect the rules, at least for the early draw. Um, my dream would be to implement a two-hour rule for the late draw as well and just say, you've got two hours off the ice after two that's not gonna fly the only flack i've ever had was when i i mentioned that in a um in a an, like an introductory you know beginning of the season i send out an email just kind of reminding people of the rules reminding people of you know the cutoff for making buy requests etc and i did say at the beginning of i think last season that you know the the rule it would be nice to have the same time rule for the late draw as well. And I did get a couple of emails from people saying, no, that's not how I read it. This is not right. Da -da -da. And I went, oh, really? Oof, uh, but yeah, to me, that's, that's the one thing that if, if I had my brothers um, that I would really uh, impose because I love to curl. I'm at the ice like three and sometimes four days a week. Like it's a big part of my, my social life in the winter, it's a big part of um, uh, kind of like I think Scott's talked about all the places he's lived. I've lived in as many places and more across the country as Scott has. Uh, some of the pla same places, but not at the same time. And I know for myself, one of the reasons I am a convener is to give back to the game and to give back to all of the curling clubs that have allowed me to move to Whitehorse, to move to Victoria, to move to Montreal and know that I'm going to have a home. I'm going to have a home base in any of those cities. Um, it's a it's a huge benefit of being a curler uh, in Canada to know that that's 
that's the possibility and that that's, that's not a possibility. It's a reality of um, the curling community in our country. It's such a wonderful thing to be a part of. And so being a lead convener, um, I've also coached Little Rocks in the past. It's, you know, my little way of giving back to the sport. Um, but that's one thing that if I could change, I would. The late draw on a Monday night is just unpleasant. I don't like being on the ice at 11.15 on a Monday night playing the end of the seventh. It's yeah. got to stop people. Yeah, In the, in the it, D division. In the D division, yeah. It, right. It's, it's the hill I'm willing to die on uh, at cur with curling clubs. I there, there was one night, it was a Thursday night, the president of the Ottawa Curling Club plays on Thursday nights. He played the early draw. We were playing the late draw against the painfully slow team. I was incredibly frustrated. I walked off the ice at one point. I, I had to go to the bathroom. I, I didn't walk off the ice to do this, but I was going to the bathroom, <laughs> and he was sitting there, and I said that I'd be willing to pay for clocks, like chess-type clocks that – you get, I think, I think if each team gets 57 minutes of time and then in between ends, they're not running. And when it's your turn, like it starts and when it's the other team's turn, like, and it's the skip's responsibility to do this. I am willing to pay for this because late draws are just the worst. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, one of those things. And Megan, that's super nice that you, you know, do these things, volunteer and, and coach Little Rocks. And Sean and I, all we do is host this stupid podcast. That's how we give back to curling. So uh, uh, I think you got one up on us there. Just one? Oh, okay. In that category. In that category. Yeah. Um, so the, the other thing that you mentioned briefly that you're involved with and the Ottawa Curling Club did change the rules this year and discussions that – in the very tangential way that I heard about them seemed way too long because who actually cares uh, is the club championship. And uh, it's a little different from how certain clubs run it. Every club runs a club championship differently uh, at the Ottawa curling club. There's no league champions that then go on to compete in a, a club championship. Uh, as I've seen at, at other places, how it works is that certain each league gets a, an allotment of teams that make it into the club championship. That changed this year, and we don't have to get into the specifics of what it is because it's not, frankly, all that interesting. But what was your involvement in those discussions? Because I know league conveners were part of that. Yeah, so that's one of the one of the roles of the match committee. So we did have a couple of new leagues or a couple of, of uh, reformed leagues in the last couple of years. We now have a Colts league, so a U5. Uh, the Ottawa Curling Club has one of the, uh, I mean, it's one of the originators of the Getting Started League format for adult curlers. Uh, and it's been a very successful program. Uh, actually, the first time I lived in Ottawa 10 years ago, I taught at it when I was an articling student uh, and then moved away and came back. Uh but there needs to be um, a place for people to graduate into. And so with all of our leagues usually fully subscribed year over year, uh, there was a need to find a new league, a home for these people. So uh, Friday, uh, Sunday afternoons, we had a new Colts league. And so it was only fair that the Colts league gets a place in the club championship. So trying to figure out how to accommodate a new league and then looking at some of the I was actually surprised. So Friday nights had only one entry in the club championship, whereas, you know, Monday and Thursday, which are, are you know, full leagues with two draws, had three each. 
and Friday as well. If you're in the A and Friday, you're playing some very good games. Uh, and that had also had two draws. Uh, I think Sun Saturday morning had two, Tuesdays had one. I'm getting these numbers wrong. But uh, we had a bit of a debate about whether we would be uh, removing some of the allotment of other leagues or whether we would just expand the club championships altogether, which is ultimately what we decided to do. Uh, and we're able to uh, resolve some of the inequities across the existing leagues and then give the, the new leagues uh, some additional or you know, open up them some spots for the club championship while still being sort of a single knockoff. Uh, so, but even within the Ottawa, uh, this is one of the things that I just found out this year in, uh, in having these meetings with the match committee and, and having the discussions. Some of the leagues actually do have a little playoff or they'll, you know, your A1 will go in, but then your, and your A2 will go in, but then A3 and B1 will actually play off uh, to decide which is the, the third team that will, will go into the club championship. Monday again, which is my, my league, uh, our league, doesn't have really the leeway to do that because we're so pressed for days. Uh, if we have potentially an extra week, it's usually because we, um, which I think happened two or three years ago, three or four years ago, I think the last year before I took over, um, we had the option to start on January 2nd or January 9th. And that was, you know, an odd year where we had a spare week, but the spare week was January 2nd. Uh, and I think uh, my predecessor actually had a vote and everybody said, let's take the second off and start on the ninth. Uh, so fitting in that kind of playoff is really difficult on Mondays, but other leagues do do it. But out of, so there's 24 teams, so 96 people. Out of the 96 people on a Monday, how many people do you think legitimately care about the club championship and want to participate because uh, this is something that, that I'm always I'm, I'm curious about. You know, at other clubs I've played in, it was a, a standing. And one year, the team I was on declined to play for a variety of reasons. Another year, we got a phone call at the end of March. Somebody called the skip at work to say that we had been disqualified from the club championship for a very obscure rule. And our position was, why are you calling him at work? Who the hell cares? Um <laughs> Right. Like, like, so like just what is the interest in the club championship at the Ottawa curling club, which is a more competitive club, but that than some other places I've been, but I, I just get the sense that the club championship and club championships are there for a small subset of the curling population. And that a majority of the people are just like, Oh, okay. Um, that's a hard question for me to answer. I think there are some people who do care, and it's it's a point of pride to win the league. So um, our team on yeah, Monday. Yeah, that's why and, I declared us the uh, champions. Point yeah. of pride. <laughs> but for, for, but seriously though, like my Tuesday team, the last couple of years, I, I skip a team in the ladies, and um, last year we lost out, and I think even this year we we lost the matchup that would have would have determined uh, the club championship or the league champion. But we wanted the league championship. I, I actually think the league championship maybe means more to to teams than the club championship. But I, I think I can I speak agree. for my late team in saying that. Yeah, I'd um, rather I'd rather but, win the the league, like the Monday league, the Thursday league, than the club champ. The club championship holds no allure to me. But you know what? There are people there are people who do care and I'm not going to get in the way of that. Like why, why not? Uh, and especially on Monday, again, we're sort of, we're in between purely recreational, don't really care what we're doing and 
a more competitive level if we are considered a semi-competitive league. Uh, and so, of course, you're going to have the better teams in particular who are in this league because they care about the game, because they care about doing well. And I, why not? Like, I have no, I take no issue with that whatsoever, um, unless it results in bad behavior on the ice, and then we can have a different conversation. But um, no, I mean, for, for me personally, I mean, bar bucks are fantastic. Like, I'm very happy to win the D and win the bar bucks. Um, but, um, you know, I think that both, both the past years, like my ladies team, when we, when we lost the key match, we kind of went, oh, you know, we would, we really would have liked to be able to say, you know, we were league championship, you know, have the, the, the sh uh, shirt, the long sleeve shirts with our name tattooed on, or with the tattooed, <laughs> with our names embroidered on the, the sleeves. Like that's, there's a point of pride there. There's a point of pride in, in being club champion uh, as well. Uh, so why, why not? Um, mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Uh, that's fair. Now, Scott, you've been a ice maker or an ice tech at a yep. curling club. And I think ice maker and league convener are the two jobs that probably get the most pushback from people. And uh, I'm just curious, Scott, based on what you've seen firsthand of, of Megan being the league convener, and your experience as an ice maker, who do you think has the more thankless job at a curling club? Well, I think the ice maker, like the, the main ice technician who is responsible for the ice all the time, has a, a pretty thankless job because literally without the ice, you can't play. And everybody complains about the ice all the time. Yeah. Like, I was a, so I was an assistant ice tech. I would, I would do part-time making the ice. And then in Montreal, I was on the board for a year as the ice, ice liaison, I guess, to the board. So I would hear a lot of complaints about our ice maker who was paid by the board. Uh, and I didn't relay that all to him because that would be really mean, <laughs> but, uh, but then when you're there and you're doing the ice, you're pebbling and nipping. And and I would stay, when I was doing the ice, I would stay to watch at least a couple ends, make sure the speed was okay and, uh, you know, note it down. If if I noticed, oh boy, it's pretty slow for the first couple ends, maybe we'd change some levels with the nipper or something for the next uh, the next day. But, but like you will get guys saying, Oh, what the hell's happening in the, on sheet D there, there's a run by the boards. And you'd say, uh, I don't know, throw it better. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like I've seen you throw, but man, uh, I know you're not that good, <laughs> but, uh, it's sort of like when you say in golf, you know, only a bad golfer blames his clubs. Mm -hmm. uh, all curlers blame the ice. <laughs> so, like yeah. everybody's playing on the same ice. So that that's my answer is that you all get the same surface. How come they were good and you weren't? Yeah, that's probably uh, probably it comes down to you not being as good, right? Yeah, I'm having flashbacks to the Manitoba fi men's final this year as you, uh, <laughs> as you say that. Um, yeah. Now, now, Megan, what what would your assessment be like? Like how much? How much frustration do you get from players uh, on, on a weekly basis? You know, people know that you're the convener. You're, you're there every Monday as well as Tuesday. Um, certainly there's going to be fewer 
there's less crossover Monday to Tuesday than perhaps in, in some other leagues. But, you know, what is your experience like in dealing with people? You know what? I've been pretty lucky. I think the, um, you know, there, there are people in this world and we've all met them who just have a particular manner. <laughs> uh, so either when they're mentioning something to you in person and then in particular uh, when they're sending an email, uh, there have been people who have reminded me three times that they would just like to draw my attention to the buy request that they <laughs> anticipate that I will be able to honor. Uh, yeah, sure, buddy. I'll, you're on my list. Um, but no, I don't get a ton of flack. Like I said, the, the most true um, flack that I got was, you know, my, my little kind of gentle attempt to nudge people to get off the ice. Um at a decent hour for the late draw, that got some some pushback from a couple of, of people. And again, just a couple of people and also um, very, very calmly, very politely, but you know, right off the bat, there's nope, that's not, that's not my interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes you get by requests that don't really sound like requests. Um, but again, you just take a deep breath and go, thank you, you're on my list. I'll let you know when uh, when the draw is ready. And that's really all I need to do. I think, you know, having email as my main interface with most people is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm a pretty I'm I'm a shy. Like I'm actually quite an introverted person. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if half of the the uh, players on Monday night couldn't actually pick me out of a lineup. It's very possible. Uh, so. I don't tend to get a lot of that feedback. I think um, some of that feedback I actually get from some of the other league conveners at match committee meetings who are members of, of multiple leagues. And they kind of say, well, I've heard this about Monday. And I went, oh, really? I, nobody said that, that to me. Um, so I, you kind of take a lot of things with a grain of salt. And if you're able to do that, then it's really not, not a difficult job, especially on Monday night again. We have so many constraints with our dates and with our schedule that um, I'm not expected to run any extra events. I'm not expected to run any extra playoffs. The uh, the couple of times when I've had, you know, really difficult draws that haven't quite worked out, people have been actually quite understanding. So I've been I've been quite lucky uh, in that respect. So, no, um, again, there's always there's always a couple of personalities and you just kind of go, all right, thank you very much for your feedback. And. I go on with my life. Yeah, and it's also a league that doesn't turn over that much either. Mm-hmm. So it's you know it's the same people usually. I mean, there's a little turnover year to year, but for the most part, it's the same people. So you know you know who's tough to deal with, who's not tough to deal with, and, and you sort of learn how to communicate with each individual person. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I, I think you both know this, but uh, I kept a spreadsheet this year of uh, a variety of things i was curious as to how much this would cost me now i'm gonna have to do this all again next year because the cost part of it is sort of thrown out because we missed a month and uh mm-hmm. but I, I was also keeping track of results so win loss and points for and against and i have to say that i i had to really take note of what the points for and against was before i left the club because other by the time i got home i couldn't remember what the score of a game was but we, uh, what do you think our record was? I want to say bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think we won on Monday night five games, six games. Okay, Megan? 
Um, I actually had the schedule up. We, uh, yeah, we didn't do that well. We maybe won two out of three in the rounds that we played. Yeah. So yeah. So Scott's right. We went six and ten. So about yeah. The sort of the, uh, it wasn't great. We had a really bad stretch between November 11th and January 20th. We lost six out of the seven games that were played there. But uh, I think this is a good sign. You know, the the Pythagorean you know results <laughs> should have been better because for the season we scored 93 points in 16 games and we only gave oh. up 88 points. So even though oh. we lost four more games than we won, we actually scored more points and we lost at least three times on draw to the buttons. Uh, so those go mm -hmm. down in terms of points for and against as a tie. And, you know, it's, uh, it was just one of those years. We just didn't, uh, didn't get the breaks when we needed them. What was those uh, points again, Sean? Scored 93. Yeah. Gave up 88. All right. I'm going to tell you our Pythagorean in just a minute. Okay. So as, uh, as Scott puts that, uh, that together to see what our record should have been in 16 games. Megan, what would your advice be to anyone out there who is either been thinking about volunteering as a league convener or has been asked to be a league convener for an upcoming season? What advice would you give to somebody who's going into this position? Uh, it's really a neat way and a, a pretty low stress way to get more involved in the curling community to see a little bit of what happens behind the scenes to get to know uh, more of the people in your league because if you're in the D or in your, you know, you kind of can flip between the C and the D and never meet the people in A and B. Uh, you really do get to know more about how curling clubs operate and you get more, you know, have more conversations, get more exposure to other people in the club. And it's, it definitely, uh, you do feel a little bit more a part of the community, a part of the club for being being a league convener. It's kind of a neat little role. So you're doing this again next year then? I am. Um, I have put out the word that if, if anybody desperately wants to take it on, I will give it up. I've, I've switched responsibilities a little bit at work. Like I said, there were a couple of times this year where um, it's, it's not a, a horribly time-consuming role, but it is – there's not a lot of flexibility in, you know, when the schedule needs to get done, it needs to get done. Uh, and that's clashed a little bit with my, I've taken on some extra stuff at work this year. So I've had a little bit of a struggle, but uh, I'm hoping that I can still, uh, still make it work because it is neat to have uh, a little bit of, of um, just a little bit more information, a little bit more a role within the club setting. Very nice. Uh, I think that's a very lovely sentiment. And, and what you said earlier, too, about giving back to the sport, I think that's really nice, too, and, and a nice motivation. And people should get involved in, in the club a little bit, and uh, especially volunteer clubs. You know, we're, we're not mm -hmm. a, a, pure, a straight volunteer club. You know, we have paid bartenders and, and a paid kitchen staff and that kind of stuff. But, you know, there, there are clubs that are purely run on volunteers. And, uh, you know, yeah, giving back is, is a nice way to not only help the club, but also to you know get more involved in the community as as you said megan so scott do you have what our record should have been yes yeah, sean we we should have won 53 percent of those 16 games which uh you know it's just over eight so should have been eight and eight about uh, two games unlucky there and i i know we had at least two and i think there was a couple while i was away uh games that were decided on the draw to the button 
Yeah. So, oh, it, uh, it felt like we had like a run of them. I swear we had like four or five in a row that were all decided on a draw to the button. It was ridiculous. And like yeah, we lost them all because we overswept it or something. Yeah, so. I'm really bad at the draw to the button uh, <laughs> as a sweeper. I'm really, I'm really, really bad at it. Um, October 28th, yeah, lost on a draw to the button. Uh, no, December 16th, lost on a draw to the button. Uh, and there's another one in there somewhere that we lost on a draw to the button. So it was at least three that we lost on a draw to the button. So uh, one of these was a 9-9. December 16th, 9-9, we lost on a draw to the button. What the hell was going on that? Like Chris, Christmas parties before that game. Come on. I think I, I think we, uh, yeah, we got down really early, like a lot really early and then came back. And I, cause I kind of remember being like, Oh my God, why are we still playing this game? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Good uh, stuff. November 18th. That's another or November. Uh, yeah. November 18th. That's another one lost five, five. So, uh, so there you have it. So, uh, you know, as Megan said, it's a fun way to get involved. Uh, and, and Scott too, you know, you've been involved in curling clubs too. I think you would support everything Megan said too, about getting involved in the community, giving back to a club. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. It's a, a great, uh, a great uh, sort of way to look at it. You know, I think that's uh, good. Good. Good for you, Megan. It's <laughs> a very Scott way to say things. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I got a. I got a distracted by a text message at the same time. So. <laughs> As you were thanking yeah. Megan, uh, the text message took precedence. So there you go. So that's oh, a, nice. a little bit of an insight into the di- the dynamic of our team. <laughs> Uh, easily distracted, Sean. Yeah. Uh, so, Megan, thank you very much for joining us this week. Uh, we greatly appreciate it, in addition to all your work at the Curling Club. Oh, my pleasure, guys. And, uh, Scotty, there you have it, buddy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you want me to say to that. Yeah, but, so uh, that, that, that'll do it for this week's episode. Uh, we have been called out, Scott, on Twitter. We have not participated in the virtual broom stacking what? that's been going on. And uh, so, yeah, so we were called out on Twitter for not participating. Uh, I pointed out uh, in my response to that tweet is that one of the reasons that uh, at least I haven't participated is I don't really know what broom stacking is. <laughs> I think so. you just drink beer and shoot the breeze, man. But why is it called broom stacking? Oh, at the end of the game, you stack your brooms up and uh, <laughs> go have a go have a drink. Okay, so uh, apparently broom stacking is happening on Saturday nights. Uh, we'll tweet out details. Anyone who's listening to this probably already knows this, but we can tweet out details of uh, of how that goes. I will also, uh, before we go, Scott, quick shout out. Uh, Megan played in this, but Scott, you are the inaugural champion of the Enrico Palazzo pre-memorial virtual bond spiel that was played this weekend. Thanks, Sean. It was a real honor to be invited, an honor to play. You won I... the championship without power. Uh, yeah, th- so we were playing the championship. We had just started. I think we were halfway through the first end. And all of a sudden, the power to my entire apartment kicked, and it was pitch black in here. And... Uh, you know, obviously I was doing it on my computer, so my router is powers down, and I've got no internet connection. And I sort of ran around for a while trying to find a flashlight, and then I lit a candle. And I thought, oh, I could just connect through my phone, like a hotspot on my phone, right? So I ended up doing that, hotspotted on my phone. My laptop had enough battery power to last the game, so I logged back in, and we started again. Um you know, who knows if that was the right thing to do, but we couldn't really put the rocks back where they had been. Uh, 
And yeah, it was a really great game uh, against Ryan Stammers, who had been undefeated yeah. to that point in the uh, in the event, had already beaten me twice yeah. in the round robin and in the one two game. And uh, yeah, it was really really good down to the wire. I think I pulled it out by a point. It was really fun. And so I would suggest to anybody that's looking for something to do, uh, as we all are, yeah, the, we use Flyer Die Curling, which is a little app that you can access through Curling Zone. If you go to the Curling Zone site and click on the upper right corner, I think there's a, a banner for it. And yeah, it's it's tricky to get a hold of, like a handle on how to throw draw weight and all that. But once you figure it out, it's really a lot of fun. And yeah. we were all on uh, the Google Hangout at the same time, so we could talk a little bit of trash, uh, uh, you know, celebrate good shots. All yeah, good. I think that was the key for me. And and Megan, I'm curious to know what you thought now that we've had a couple of days to think about it. I beat Megan in the 3-4 game. We both made the playoffs mm-hmm. uh, on a very dramatic extra end. Uh, I, well, dramatic for me because I, I, I won. But, uh, you know, I, I, I totally biffed a draw uh, in the uh, last end to go to the extra. And then uh, Megan made a beautiful shot on her last, and I was able just to pick it out at the end. But the hangout part was essential to me. If I had just been sitting in my apartment playing the game, I probably would have gotten bored, but having the hangout going simultaneously and in fly or die curling, you can, you don't have to play, but you can go in and watch another game. So that's how we, what we did with the final uh, is that I went in and watched and we were on the hangout together, but the hangout part of it, I said at the end is, is it made it way more fun than it probably should have been. And, and Megan, uh, Despite your microphone issues, you were there for most of it. I was there for most. For some reason, I couldn't get my microphone to work. And again, math and apparently technology, not my strength. Uh, no, it was it was actually a lot. But I said it was more fun than I thought it would be, and it, it genuinely was a mm-hmm. lot of fun. But I do think that having the uh, even just listening uh, to the hangout made a, a big difference. Uh, yeah, very. T- I swear there were runs in that ice. Uh, it was just was very <laughs> odd, odd moments. Uh, but no, it was a ton of fun. Yeah, so uh, definitely I, I would recommend it to anybody in fly or die curling and yeah, have a hangout going on. And we did Friday night and Saturday. Uh, I, I just did a, a Google sheet with matchups and stuff. It, it was a lot of fun. So I definitely highly recommend it. And Scott is the inaugural Enrico Palazzo pre-memorial virtual bond spiel champion. We do it for the kids, Sean. We do, and whenever we, uh, whenever I'm allowed to see you again, I'll give you the the prize that I have oh, set aside here. Sweet, it's a game of stone sticker. <laughs> I decided that that's what the prize would be before we started. Wait, you know do what? I get a T-shirt now? You guys have been promising me a T-shirt for like a season and a half. That's Did I true. Get a t-shirt? We have. I, I have to locate the T-shirts. I, I have two of them. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna get some new T-shirts. So yeah, we're working on T-shirts yeah. too. So uh, you know, exciting things for the fall. All right. So uh, so that'll do it for this week with a tease of T-shirts. I like it. And uh, if you want to follow along for, through the rest of the shutdown episodes and just in general, we're going every Wednesday through the summer. We're on our summer schedule now. So until competitive curling starts up, which we hope will be in the fall. We are going to drop on Wednesday, so please do follow along by subscribing wherever it is you get your podcast. Give likes, ratings, comments, all that stuff. Keeps the show going, helps with the algorithm, all that fun stuff. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. Scott is there at Scott Lakes TV, and I am at Dr. Shawnee Fever. 
So Scott, we'll be back next week. Yeah. With another episode. Yeah, we got a good one planned. Uh, some good stuff coming. Yeah, we got uh, yeah some some really fun stuff. I'm excited to to record some of these. So until we talk with you again next week, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.